This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. The goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's the one. The Red Raiders. Bunty up the 10. Bunty up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that, unlike a sold-out UTEP in front of a sold-out Sun Bowl, will not leave fans disappointed. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, on week one of the college football season. Next to me, trying to stay composed. It's Mike Craven. Mike, what's up? <laughs> One day I'm going to realize that this is a new bit, that you're going to start each show with something that you're makes so me petty. laugh. But yeah, I uh, I, I wasn't so expecting petty. it. It was pretty good. Listen. And I don't know if we can really follow through with that guarantee, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Listen, UTEP's done two very good jobs of sending 40,000 people plus disappointed in the past two years. As someone who wants this program to be good, and wants and loves a great atmosphere. I can do that <laughs> because I am a bitter fan of the minor program and of the city of El Paso. And I want them to be happy. Yeah. Anyway, Mallory. Hi, producer Malpal. Everyone's favorite Malpal. How are you? Good. Good to be here as always. <laughs> On today's show, we got week one. Officially week one. Woo! Not week zero. Not camp Scary. or whatever. We got some, I guess we got some lingering off-season uh, topics, I guess, leading into week one. Uh, we're obviously going to preview all those games. We're going to preview three big games, or I guess four big games. We drafted three. You'll see how the segment works. We're going to try and figure that. We're, tr- we're going to try to do it this way as our preview show instead of just running through every single game every single week. Some of them are going to be blowouts, right? Some Texas teams are going to be on the end of the, on the right end of that, on the wrong end of that. So there's no reason in really pumping that up too much. Uh, we'll analyze the results obviously on this on Sunday. We'll get a little bit more nitty gritty, but. As far as the previews go, we're just going to kind of go through one by or, uh, with the big games, right? Highlight the main ones, and we each pick three, uh, and then there's one left over uh, because we there are probably four big-ish games this weekend, so we'll talk about those. But before we get to that, we got some headlines. I mentioned we have kind of lingering off-season news. Haynes King named the starting quarterback for Texas A&M. Anybody surprised? Um, I, I guess oh, before before I actually get to, to your point, I did want to say, of course, he was in contention with Max Johnson, Connor Wigman, true freshman. I don't know how much he was really in contention, mm-hmm. but of course, Haynes King was a, a starter last year, got injured, in came Zach Calzada. They bring in Max Johnson in the offseason from LSU to try and bring some starting experience to that locker room. Of course, Wigman's kind of the, the gem, diamond in the rough, but still true freshman. Craven, Haynes King, is that a surprise? I was a little surprised just because I view Jimbo Fisher as a pretty risk-adverse coach, especially at the quarterback position. I thought he may go college experience with Max Johnson, who's mm-hmm. you know didn't light the world on fire at LSU, but he's played plenty of SEC games where Haynes King you know, started against Kent State and then got injured in, in week one or week two against Colorado on the road, I think in the first or second quarter. So really only played five, six quarters of college football. Mm. Uh, I do think Haynes King gives more of an upside, right? I mean, he's one of the more athletic players on the team. You know, if you if you lined up the Texas A&M program and made them all run a 100-meter, you know, dash, 
King's probably finishing in fourth or fifth spot there. You sure. know, like he's he's a really athletic guy. We'll see if Jimbo allows him to use that. Uh, but in terms of surprise, I mean, I would have said it was probably 50-50 a coin flip. But I do think Max Johnson had uh, some good days at camp, and there was probably some times during camp where reports and people around the program thought he was going to be the starter. So sure. uh, a little bit of surprise. I do think this is a good sign for A&M. Had Max Johnson won the job, it would have felt like it was because by default, you know, because nobody else took it. Sure. Right. I think Haynes King being the starter is, is a good sign. That means that he went out and he did some things that the other guys on the roster just can't do yet. Yeah, I think so. Are right. you surprised that it took them that long to name a starter? I mean, I get a little I, I kind of lean on the side of like just because we don't know it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. Right. That's like, a good point. If they were all taking the exact same amount of snaps until the day they announced the starter, that's mm. kind of concerning. Yeah. Uh, if behind the scenes they had moved towards Haynes is our guy, he's taking mm -hmm. the bulk of the, the reps and it just wasn't public domain until the day it leaked out, probably not that big of a concern. Right. Got it. All right. Uh, moving on. By the way, if you didn't listen to Mallory and Cravens, uh, they were at the game in uh, the UTEP game in El Paso. Did a recap episode. That's up. Hopefully, if you subscribe, you knew that. You listened to it. And hopefully, if you listened to it, you also realized Asanani had a pretty good game. Wow. Let's go. Uh, and we will <laughs> – he was named the CUSA Offensive Player of the Week. The reason CUSA. Why this, the reason why this is news, because it probably won't happen again. So that's what we're going to talk about. How do you so, know? Asanani was 16 of 29. Mallory, I'm reading the topic here. Uh, Asanani was 16 of 29. Uh, 55% completion, 236, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Most importantly, he basically guided a pretty solid balance attack that UTEP could not stop. And I, again, if he plays UTEP every week, he might make this list again. That's what's amazing. Yeah. Like, he's played 24 career games. He's thrown 26 career touchdown passes, mm -hmm. nine of them yeah. against UTEP. You mm -hmm. know, like, in the other 23 games, he's thrown 23 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Sure. You know, so a pretty average quarterback normally. Mm -hmm. Tremendous against UTEP. Yeah. Never been sacked. Never thrown an interception. He's three and zero. I don't know. Like, may, I'm not smart enough to know this, but there's got to be a schematic something well, where I, it just matches up well with, with UTEP. UTEP. Fair yeah. enough. I remember you, you brought that up before the game, and the reason why I was hesitant was like, what did Jalen Darden do in those games? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of uh, specifically in the 2020 season, uh, Jalen Darden was a big reason why I believe he had like yeah. 200 of his 300 yards. Yeah, four was, out of the five was, touchdown was, yeah, catches. It was like something yeah. ridiculous. So I was like, see, it's it's probably not going to happen. Happen it again. sure so, did. So, like, there is something there, like you mentioned, with with the UTEP defense that Asanani can see. And I guess to his credit as well, you know, Bradley Del Pavetto is not wasn't there though, all his uh, Asanani's whole career. So it's been a dif different defensive coordinator that he's gone up against, and he just sees something with that uh, defense. I, there's no pressure. Yeah. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I feel like there there's no pressure. You know. And, and like when he doesn't have to throw deep downfield too. Like when he, when you have a sure. tight end too, where you can pretty much rely say, on too. Jake Roberts well. was really great too. And when you've got a tight end that you can rely on short passes across the middle and he doesn't have to throw down deep. I think that it takes a lot of pressure off of him. Yeah. I mean, Austin Allen just needs to be Jimmy G. Sure. Right. Like he yeah. just needs to be a guy who doesn't throw interceptions, who does well on third down and well in the red zone. And he was excellent on both of those things. Mm -hmm. Like he was awesome in the red zone. And early in that game, he extended four or five third downs. Like they, yeah. he was, they were like four of six early in that game. And it was all passes, a lot of them over the middle on slants to Jake Roberts and a couple of the wide receivers. I was really impressed. But again, it's, you know, you look, you look at the stats and you're like, okay, well, they 
play this well against UTEP, which mm. makes me an idiot for not picking North Texas. <laughs> right? I tried to talk myself into it. You, like got, I, you really give, did. I'll give you credit. You I was like walking around the it. office, yes. like going like, ah, you I thought I, about it. But like it was like week zero, and I'd picked UTEP in the magazine like right. three months ago. So it was like I don't want to change it already, you know. But anyway, um, I just want to see him do it against other teams. Sure. Yeah. You know, like just because like if he had struggled his whole career against UTEP and then he played this well, it's like, oh, okay, maybe Something's they're turning the corner. Uh, but he always does this against UTEP. Let's see how he plays against other teams before we start saying Ostinani's turned the corner. Because like we talked about last week, he has an arm. He was a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't do well with pressure around him. Yeah. SMU is probably going to create a little bit more pressure than yeah. UTEP did. Yep. We'll get to that game after we are finished here. But – we got some unnecessary drama, which means Texas is back in the news. Unnecessary so, drama. <laughs> uh, Steve Sarkeesian announced, I don't know if he announced or just didn't do it. I don't know if they made a big deal about it. But basically, Texas doesn't have a depth chart. There's no too deep. Craven, you made a joke that Gary Patterson's influence is hard to be in well yep. yeah. seen in the Texas yeah, locker GP. So my question here, because everybody would raise the fuss about this, right? He named Quinn Ewers a starter. And that's the only starter we actually know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, quote unquote, no. Obviously, yeah. we know running back. Right. We know the number Wide one receiver. receiver. Yeah. yeah. So everybody, everything else is a quote unquote guess. My question to you is, outside of us in the media, uh-huh. right, that use this broadcaster, shout out Craig Way, who probably, hopefully he knows the starter. Yeah, yeah but he's got he two does. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, yeah, he definitely <laughs> has one. Um, should anybody care? No. No, this is this is week zero news, right? Like yeah. this is like yeah. the AP poll, the coaches poll, like on Saturday when they go play Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. 11 yeah. offensive players are going to go out into the field. 11 right. defensive players are going to go on the field. And except for quarterback, there's going to be a lot of switches throughout the snaps, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and that that's just football. Like it gives us fodder and we can go like, oh, man, this guy won the left guard starting job. And that yep. guy's like the number one nickel or whatever. But. Any of us that watch it know that it changes throughout the game, and if a guy misses a couple blocks early on, he's no longer the starting left guard. You know, like yeah. uh, there's injuries that happen, all that kind of stuff. So, I, I if we didn't know the quarterback and mm-hmm. he wasn't putting out a, a depth chart, then it'd be like, ooh, okay, mm-hmm. what's he trying to hide? Right. Uh, but Quinn Ewers being named the starter and has been for over a week now, I think all the other positions are pretty fluid. Like you said, like Bijan Robinson's going to be the running back, Xavier Worthy's going to be the wide receiver, Demarvion Overshone's going to be the best line. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we kind of know what to expect. I just find it to be silly. Like, like sure. the way you phrased it is perfect. It's unnecessary drama in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every week they just do something that seems avoidable mm-hmm. that puts them in the news for something other than winning football games. And it's just like the perfect representation of the last 12 years. They want Austin. it to be that way. Yeah. They're like the Cowboys. Right. It's like the Cowboys. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, we may win or we may not, but like, as long as we stay in the news, like, we're good, right. you know, and like that's a weird way to run a college program. Okay, yeah. here's a here's a question, real quick. Do you think that they would have put out a depth chart if they were playing like a Notre Dame or an Ohio State or something? That's a good question. You know? Like, like if Alabama it's Louisiana was week Monroe, one. you know, yeah. it, you don't technically yeah. need a. I mean, in their chart. defense, they have 35 new guys on the roster this mm. year that weren't yeah. there. I don't think he knows the two deep. Sure. Like, frankly, I think I think they have to go play Monroe before he knows who he can really ride with, and he doesn't want to put out a two deep because he has seven offensive linemen. Got it. You know, like, I just think he doesn't want everybody to see where his roster is, and he doesn't really know exactly what his roster is until he sees them play football games because half of them are new. Right. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like this is him saying, we're going to have three freshmen on this offensive line. Right. Yeah. And we don't want people knowing that we have three freshmen. Like, to to your, to your, to answer your question, I don't think he would have done it if Alabama was week one. I don't think he wants Nick Saban knowing that he has three freshmen on that offensive line. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, 
I see the logic. I made a joke on Twitter that he's going to get a text from the boosters to tell him who's starting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a good, that's good. But, uh, <laughs> whoever the Hellcat got sent to. is <laughs> exactly. yeah. like, Sark's like, oh, what? Really him? Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes before the game. But no, no. I Again, us in the media, we like the too deep, right? Helps us prepare to how we're going to cover the game. Obviously, broadcasters like to know who they're going to be researching and have to look up. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see some guys like, wait, he was on the – he's a walk-on. Why is he <laughs> starting? You know, like things like that. Um, but overall, as a fan, don't worry. It's Louisiana Monroe. You'll look great. Quinn Ewers will look like a Heisman winner. Bijan Robinson is going to look like the best running back in the country. They'll be fine. So yeah. And yeah. you'll know the 2D. And you'll know the 2D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll be fine. So Take some po- photos. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of freshmen, we have a word from our sponsor. Every high school athlete wants to play on the big stage. Every parent wants their child to be the best. But is making your target list of schools based on top 25 rankings really the best strategy? What about academics? Location, coaching style, financial aid? There are so many other factors that should be considered when selecting a college program outside of on-field performance. Our friends at Athletes to Athletes have put together a recruiting guide centered around providing a broader, more holistic perspective about what your college experience could be. Complete with checklists, do's and don'ts, key strategies, and much more, this 22-page guide covers everything you and your family should know as you walk through your college recruiting journey. For a limited time, Athletes to Athletes is offering this guide for free to our audience. Just go to athletestoathletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell today to download the free college recruiting guide. That's athletestoathletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell. We got football, actual football. More than one actual football game. <laughs> so I, let's start I, with it. It. I yeah. kinda have the Sunday scaries. Let's do it, man. Yeah, no, I I'm I am it's gonna be yeah. Well it's funny, so when Craven and I were at the UTEP UNT game this past week, we were standing on the sidelines like moments before kickoff. Yeah. And right when UNT kicked off, he looked at me and he goes, Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Here we go, it's starting. As it's he's starting antacid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally <Clonopin>. though. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I get it, right? It's like everything we built up to. It it's here. Technically yeah. started last week, but now it's like really going. Yeah. You know, yep. now we have to have the multi-screen. Now we have to make sure we're, <laughs> you know, we're paying attention. Our, it's exciting, though. Me as a, somebody with ADHD is not going to have fun <laughs> this weekend. So I'm going to be like, what? Eyes, 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 eyes. Basically. <laughs> so uh, we got to, we picked three games each, but let's talk about the game that we didn't pick first, right? Because let's just talk about it, get it out there. TCU at Colorado. This Friday, it's also the Friday, it's also the first game, so like that makes sense uh, chronologically. TCU at Colorado, Sunny Dykes debut, first time in 20 plus years that Gary Patterson will not be on the sideline for the Horn Frogs. Mike Craven, what are you looking for in this game? What is? I mean, this I think this is a good opponent for them too. It's not a walk. It's not a walk. Uh, a walkover. It's not a team that they should necessarily dominate either. It's a solid, solid overall program. What are you looking for from TCU in this first game on the road as well? I should mention. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'm looking for is what you just mentioned, to see a different head coach on the sideline as the head coach without Gary Patterson there is just going to be weird. By the way, we also don't know the starting quarterback for TCU. So Yeah, that's what I, that was the next thing. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think Colorado knows their starting quarterback either. I mean, so. I was 15 <laughs> yeah. the last time Jeez. that Gary Patterson wasn't the head man yeah. at, at TCU. I was 13 the last time he wasn't at 
TCU in general, general, you know? So like it's been my whole life, basically my, my whole adult life that he's been roaming the sideline. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be interesting. And then like you mentioned, the quarterback stuff, we still don't know if it's Max Duggan or Chandler Morris. We don't know if there's going to be a rotation. We don't know if there's just one guy and he hasn't announced it yet. You know, the game's 48 hours away. Right. I should Uh, clarify. They, they released a depth chart, but it's does the, uh, uh, Max Duggan or Chandler right. Moore's mm-hmm. thing. So. My guess is that both get series yes. in the first half. Sure. Like, I, I think they both, you know, like Quinn Ewers, uh, Hudson Carr, like that's that's dead and dusted, right? Mm-hmm. Like Quinn Ewers is going to be the guy there. I don't think this one is. I think both of them get uh, reps early on. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, that TCU defense was so bad last year. Really bad. Like they allowed six yards a rush, like 34 rushing touchdowns. Joe Gillespie, a new defensive coordinator in town. Like what does that look like? They're not going to be the 4 we've seen the Horned Frogs be since mm-hmm. like last century. Right. Um, so what does that look like? Just so many different changes for TCU. You talk about it. You think about it. You, you think you know what it's going to look like because we've seen Sonny Dykes at SMU. We kind of know the system they're going to run. Uh, but it's just going to be such a different view of what, you know, the Horn Frogs are. Um, just to see them kind of start that new chapter is going to be very interesting. They're 14-point favorites, so they should be able mm-hmm. to win. Mm-hmm. And it's the only Power 5 versus Power 5 matchup involving a Texas team. That's a good point, man. So I think, yeah, I think you look at what I think last year's TCU offense was, was a pretty explosive offense. They made, they made a lot of big plays. They were able to, you know, kind of uh, out – even the Texas game included where they had to get into a track meet, they were able to kind of do that. But you mentioned it was the defense that just could not keep them in games. And I think luckily they're going against a Colorado offense. We mentioned do not know the starting quarterback. Their offense was not very good last year. I believe their offense was 118th in passing EPA. Uh, this is defensively. And then 121 in rushing EPA. So yeah. they can yeah. give up yards. They, so TCU, yeah. this is a nice little stretch right. uh, opportunity for the TCU. Or sorry, this, that was Colorado's offensive numbers. So the TCU defense should be able yeah. to do some pretty good, something pretty good against them. They also it. lost their, their best running back to the transfer portal, yeah. too. Yes. So they're, they're hurting on offense. I think this is uh, this is Chris Wilson's second year as Colorado defensive coordinator, so we'll see if they can turn that around. Uh, shout out Brendan Lewis, by the way, and Melissa. Hopefully he'll be yeah. the starting. Hopefully he'll be the starting quarterback because oh. I know he hasn't been necessarily great, but he was there. Uh, obviously a Texas guy, and I don't know who the other guy that's in contention is. J.T. Shrout, never heard of that. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the games that we actually did pick. All right. Craven, you want to go first? Sure. This is where you and Mallory will be this weekend, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in the Dome, Alamo Dome, number 24, Houston, at uh, UTSA. Is it sellout? Almost? Close? It's almost. 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 I mean, I think there'll be about 40,000 people in the Alamo Dome, which is enough. Sure. You know, like that's going to be loud with the dome setting and all that kind of stuff. That's about what it was for Conference USA Championship game, that UAB game. So it'll be loud. It'll be rocking. Um, you know, the best two G5 teams in the state. I'm, I'm sure SMU has a has a bone to pick with that statement. But in my opinion, the best two G5 programs in the state comparative to the conference that they play in. Mm-hmm. I think both are conference championship favorites. You know, I think UTSA, even if they start 0-3, uh, the only other team in contention is probably UAB, maybe even North Texas. Yeah. Uh, but in the American, you know, Houston's got – the best schedule they could possibly hope for. They don't play Cincinnati in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Their two big, biggest tests are the two first two games of the year. Mm-hmm. They go at UTSA, at Texas Tech. If they can get through those games, specifically if they can get through them and win them in uh, like impressive fashion, mm-hmm. 
they have a chance to run the table and really knock on the door of the college football playoffs, specifically with Cincinnati doing that last year. They're in the same conference. They would have the same record. They'd have to beat Cincinnati in the American Championship, theoretically. Um, so there's a lot of high hopes in Houston. And if we flash forward a year ago to what we would talk about with Houston, like the expectations have just grown so much for both of these programs right. that it's going to be exciting to kind of see because they're like at the cusp. You know, both of those programs are just like right on the cusp of like national relevance. Mm -hmm. Houston moving to the Big 12, UTSA kind of stepping into like the G5 darling, you know, everybody's new favorite team type deal. A lot of returners, you know, Clayton Toon, Nathaniel Dell for Houston, Frank Harris, a trio of wide receivers for UTSA. You know, both defenses are really good. Houston's favored by four. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Are you surprised that Tejon Henry's getting to start at running back? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think he's a guy who he's like he's done it for the program, mm -hmm. and I think coaches care about that. Like yeah. I, in week four, I bet Brandon Campbell's probably the guy getting more touches, and sure. Brandon Campbell may get more carries on on Saturday. But Zion Henry's been there; he's kind of proven himself. He's stuck through a lot of stuff. He's matured a lot, you know. Like mm -hmm. at Texas Tech, that was his rap, and at Houston, he's been nothing but a model citizen from all on account. So I think that's rewarding a guy who's been in the program, mm -hmm. and they're going to share the backfield. So like. You might as well put an or next to that one because I think sure. they both get about the same amount of touches. That's fair. Mallory, you're also going to be there, though, so I want to get your opinion on the game overall. What are you looking forward to? Um, obviously, this is – it's hard to think, as you mentioned, with outside of SMU, it's hard to think of another G5 matchup like this. Mm -hmm. That's And also to start the season with both programs having so much momentum, what are you kind of looking forward to? Dude, I'm looking forward to just seeing a college game at the Alamo Dome. Yeah. I've, I've only yeah. been to one game at the Alamo Dome, and it was a basketball game. It was for UIL State yeah. Girls State Championship tournament but yeah. yeah I'm really excited I'll be there hopefully we'll get some post-game interviews um towards after the game and and the good thing about this w is that like whoever wins will be able to grab content yeah. because they're both Texas schools so I'm I'm really excited I think Houston and UTSA are both great programs um I'm leading heavily towards Houston mm -hmm. though just because they seem like the more complete team they seem just like I think overall too yeah. offense defensively they're bigger they're faster I just think that they've got more talent on both sides of the ball. I'm kind of worried of a sneaky blowout. I not, like a, not like yeah. a butt-kicking blowout, but like a, probably like three scores-ish. Yeah. Like I'm kind of nervous about that. I I just think the trenches just lean way too much in yep. Houston's favor. Um, as much as I, bigger. I feel like this will be a game where we go into halftime like, man, this is a one-score game. He, UTSA might be up. And I just think Houston kind of puts it puts it to them in the second half, um, which yeah. I think would be more of a testament to how good Houston could be this year. We mentioned potentially best G five program in the in the country, and I think they that status creates a larger separation from other just good G five programs. Which right. UTSA is a good G five program, but when you separate yourselves as near six potential versus everybody else, Cincinnati did it to has done mm -hmm. it to Houston. Cincinnati's done it to SMU, right? I think that's. I think the second half is where we potentially see that gap start to mm -hmm. start to materialize. I mean, yeah. Houston has a Power Five roster. Sure. Yes. You know, like they're bringing in transfers, they're bringing in recruits that are going to Big Twelve, yes. right? Like that's why they're there at Houston. They're going to have the talent advantage. I think the scary thing for UTSA is the pass rush. Like mm -hmm. they're out there without Clarence Hicks. It's probably going to take a couple games to figure out who that new guy off the edge is going to be. Mm -hmm. And if Clayton Tune has a lot of time. Yeah, that's trouble, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't know who guards Nathaniel Dell, you know? And so, like, <laughs> yeah. I think both teams put up a lot of points. I'd probably lean towards the over, but I think I'm with you guys. Like, 
I think the second half, Houston's overall depth and just experience and size mm-hmm. plays a role there. Yep. Last year, uh, UTSA was 87th defensively in passing EPA, so it could potentially be bad if they can't get to Clayton Toon. Yeah. All right. Moving on to my game, Saturday at 4.30 p.m., Texas State versus Nevada. Mike Craven, who is Nevada's starting quarterback? That's a great question. I don't know. And they played last week, too. I should know that. <laughs> I they played right down the road from us Oh, Shane, Shane Illingsworth. Shane Illingsworth, yeah. of Oklahoma State. <laughs> Boom, I nailed that one. I, just needed, I had to like go back into my For brain. For those then. of you listening <laughs> to that, saying you knew it, you're lying, you <laughs> did not. So I want to play this game every week where we just – find a starting quarterback in the game or like, oh, he's here now? Yeah. Right? Like Keaton Slovis at Pitt, right? Just like everybody just traded quarterbacks and just like decided that, yeah, we don't, yeah, who That's going to be the most interesting part of week one is going, oh, like, oh hey, this that, guy's that guy. here. Yeah. Look at that. Right? JT Daniels is somewhere. I forgot where he's at. He's out, uh, not West Virginia. Is West Virginia? I think it might be West Virginia. I think JT Daniels is at West Virginia because they, they yeah. made a big deal about him With versus Graham Slovis, Harrell. the USC yeah. quarterback. So. For me, it's always Adrian Martinez to Kansas State. Yes. Yeah, and Casey Thompson too. to Nebraska. See? Like, it's just, everywhere. it's they're everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. They don't make sense. Musical so, chairs. Point is, I was looking that up. I was like, huh, they got Shane Illingsworth. Interesting. That's all I know about Nevada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> point being, this line for some reason is close. Really yeah. close. It was a pick em until like an hour ago. <laughs> it was like, wild. and Texas State. Until I got my bed in. Basically, yeah. Craven's <laughs> the one that pushed it. Um, pushed it back. No, but seriously. What I'm looking forward to in this game is not even if Texas Texas State wins this. The thing with Texas State is when it comes up against other respectable G5 programs, they have always fallen flat. And not even lost, right? Again, there's no shame in losing to a solid program, but fallen flat, gotten beaten. Last year, they got embarrassed by Eastern Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not even a solid G5 program. I'm looking for energy. I'm looking for a spark. There's depth now, right? Spavadol's talked a lot about their depth, about their size, speed, all that stuff. I'm looking for that, right? I'm looking for Lane Hatcher to come out and be the guy that's that's all of a sudden a designated captain in his first year uh, on campus, right? He was one of the four or five captains selected by the team. I'm looking for that guy to show up, right? The the Lane Hatcher freshman year, freshman sophomore year at Arkansas State, that was one of the best in the Sun Belt. And I'm looking for def- the defense because – there's a joke running around that the only reason the defensive coordinator hasn't been fired yet is because of his last name. Mm-hmm. And they have not improved under Zach Spavadol. And so I'm looking for a team to come out with an edge, to come out energized. You look at uh, Spavadol's second year, I believe in 2020, they came out and challenged SMU, right? They came out and looked really good against SMU. And then they played a really good UTSA team and almost beat them, right? I'm looking for that type of level. I'm obviously hopefully not the, the latter half of the season where they kind of tailed off, but I'm looking for that kind of energy because this is an important year for, for Texas State. And if they come out and they lose 35-10, to 10, right, at Nevada, and you're supposed to trot back home and try to energize a fan base, good, I don't know. Good luck. Good luck, exactly. So that's what I'm looking for personally. That's why that's this is my game of the week. Yeah, I mean, Nevada only beat New Mexico State by 11 points. I was about to say, mm-hmm. didn't Ellingsworth have like 50-something yards or something? Yeah, Ellingsworth had uh, 51. Nate Cox, their backup, um, had 27. They both threw, like, about the same amount of passes, you sure. know. So, like, who knows what's gonna what that's gonna look like um, on Saturday? They did run the bo- football pretty well. Yep. You know, they had two guys over sixty yards. One of them with one hundred nine yards, averaged you know over five and a half yards a carry. So, it'll be interesting to see what Nevada is like. In my head, Nevada is a better football team than Texas. Well, State. just because you imagine, right? right? You imagine the old pistol offense. You still right. imagine probably 
half the people listening to this probably still think Jay Norvell is the head coach there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But this is a big opportunity for Texas State because yeah. this isn't a game that like you put on the schedule a couple years ago thinking it's a win. Sure. So yeah. you can steal a win here. Right. You're and like, the oh, goal is to get to six. Yes. Right? The S the Sun Belt West is is winnable. Maybe not winnable, but like you can have a good record. Like yes. you can get second, you can pick up three or four Sunbelt wins. If they can steal an out of conference game that they on paper aren't supposed to win when it's put on the schedule, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden they're closer to that six win mark. And that's when six win mark will save Jake Spavadol. Yeah. And so uh, for me, this is all about getting a bowl game, and this has become a really important game for Texas State. Like you said, they've had these opportunities to kind of show improvement, to show they're taking steps forward, and to prove to the fan base that like improvements are coming. Mm -hmm. And then they haven't done it. And this year, you're playing a Nevada team that's clearly struggling, that's not as talented as they usually are, right. under new regime, just transferring, all that kind of stuff. If Texas State can go out there, become 1-0 and for the second straight year, and really, like, put a stamp down of like we beat a solid out of conference program i think that says a lot for what spavadol has been saying all off season mm -hmm. and that's texas state is a different texas state team than we've seen the last couple of years i'm going to need it to see i'm going to need to see it on the field sure and winning a road game against nevada would be a great first step mm -hmm. yep i agree i definitely agree by the way uh ken wilson is a new nevada head coach former co-oc or co-dc i should say at oregon under uh, who is the guy that's now in Miami? Um, Mario Chris, Cristobal. 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 So, yeah, that's who the new head coach is, and it kind of makes sense that they're pretty bad at throwing the ball. And he's been at Nevada off and on for like right. 15 or 20 years. So uh, I was trying to think of anything depth chart-wise that was announced Tech State, but everybody was basically eh, – I think you basically nailed it in the magazine. So, yeah. uh, Oh, Alex Costi is starting at left guard, so there's one. I believe there's an injury there. So yeah. anyway, let's move on. Mallory, your game is SMU – at or no, sorry, North Texas at the hottest team. No, Which you're right. SMU is, is, is in Denton. Yeah. Okay, you're I'm right. Denton. It's Denton. in Denton. Denton, America. Sorry about that. <laughs> SMU Denton, at America. the hottest team in the country. Many are talking about the North Texas Mean Green Saturday at 6:30 p.m. at Apogee. Mallory Hartley, this is your game of the week. Why and why will North Texas pull you upset? Okay, that's a that's a bold claim here. Um, I'm asking you. I'm not claiming anything. All right. It's a question. All right. I don't think this, this would have been my game of the week if it weren't for UNT's such dominant showing against UTEP last week. And, of course, we saw we, – we kept saying that UNT just has a better game always against UTEP, uh, especially Austin Ani. But I think that that really brings up morale, especially to North Texas heading into a next year's conference play against a rival mm -hmm. right down the road. Um, I think the real test – this week is if UNT's offense is going to be able to keep up with SMU's offense. Um, and I think also on the other side of that, if SMU can perform well against a pretty well-balanced defense in North Texas, like we saw last week, um, North Texas defense looked really strong, the front seven really strong in the secondary. Um, I think one of their only issues was probably just discipline. Um, they had a couple, they had one drive where they got three personal foul penalties in a row, one, and one of them was for taunting. <laughs> I mean, really? Um, I think really they just got to get that under control defensively, and I think they're going to be really, really stout on defense. Um, offense, uh, a couple of question marks here and there. Um, I don't know how well Austin Ani is going to perform under this stress, lots of pressure from SMU's defense. Um, 
but I think overall it's going to I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think it's going to be a lot closer than games in matchups in the past. Mm -hmm. um, again, we don't really know what SMU really looks like, especially because we got new coach Rhett Lashley have a lot of transfers coming in. Um, the one transfer I'm definitely concerned about is Kamar Wheaton from Alabama. I think he's going to look really good against this <laughs> North Texas team. But interesting stat, too. Since 2014, SMU has won six of the last eight meetings against North Texas. So track record says SMU is going to win. But maybe North Texas will pull the upset. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, SMU enters as an 11-point favorite. I think that's about right. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Rhett Lashley's offense versus Phil Bennett's defense. Like anybody who listens to this show knows that I, I'm a huge fan of Phil Bennett. What he did in the second half last, last week against UTEP was mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, like they shut him out. They took away the deep game and made UTEP, you know, have to earn it play after play. And that's just not what UTEP does. It's going to be different this week though. Cause Tanner Mordecai is really good. That wide receiver group may be as good as it was last year, despite losing a couple of guys to the NFL, like what they did in the transfer portal with Jake Bailey, Bo Corrales, really impressive. Rasheed Rice is going to have a big year. Kamar Wheaton, as Mallory mentioned. Um, for me, Austin Ani, can he, can he continue that type of play, right? Can he be that efficient? Can he not throw interceptions? Last year, mm -hmm. he threw nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. So he's a guy who you know, is a one-to-one -one touchdown to interception ratio for most of his career. Let's see if, if he can play that well and that efficient against a, a different defense that's going to come after him and, mm -hmm. be, and be more athletic. Um, but on the flip side of it, how fast is SMU going to play? Yeah. Like right out of the gates. Sure. Like, is it one of those things that in October they get to their full offensive speed? Or is it right out of the gates we're running a play every 10 seconds? You mm -hmm. know, um, I want to see how quickly SMU can take on the identity of Rhett Lashley. I think it's going to be quicker than usual because he was there. Sure. He's run he, – a lot of those guys have run that offense. Um, he recruited a lot of those guys to that offense. Um, and so I think SMU is going to be pretty good this year. And as Mallory mentioned, this is a preview of the American Conference next year. Mm -hmm. North Texas is going to find out how close they are roster construction-wise to the talent at SMU. North Texas has played a game. How much does that come into to factor? You know, they probably knocked off some of that rust, some of the di the discipline stuff. Does SMU fumble the ball a few times? Does SMU get a, cu a couple dumb penalties because it's their first game? How much of an advantage is that to have played a week zero game? Or is it a disadvantage because SMU has tape? Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think there's a lot of good question marks uh, with this one. Um, I think it's clear in a way the third best game in the state. Yeah. I'm wondering about SMU's defense. I didn't watch Liberty, so I don't know what Scott Simon's system looks like. They were a pretty solid defense last year, solid against the run in particular. It's a 4-2-5. Four, four, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like just overall production. You know, right. if, mm -hmm. if UNT does want to be able to run the ball effectively, at least we've seen SMU as a team, not under this scheme specifically, we've seen them as a team contain the run really well. Does that rob – UNT of maybe a go-to yeah. or mm -hmm. does Seth Luttrell kind of see something with Jake Roberts in the passing game and the kind of that short intermediate route uh, stuff that can give SMU some issues right yeah. we saw them struggle against the pass last year so that maybe they do take the reins a little bit off Boston and give them that safety blanket of Jake Roberts but also maybe a little bit more of a vertical threat especially at home especially with this potentially a good crowd now that now that there's steam behind the programs like oh we gotta go like, there's some people it at UNT one is first home game so like Obviously, freshmen, all that stuff are going to go. But obviously, there's also people around the area that's like, oh, they beat UTEP. They're, they might be pretty good. We got to go check this game out. It's against an inner city rival, like, or inner, you know, area rival in SMU, future conference, like you mentioned, future conference rival. 
I think UNT should come out on fire. Like, I think this is their opportunity to be like, you know what? Let's see what we can do, right? They, I don't want to say they got nothing to lose because obviously if you get your butt kicked and you go to the same conference as this team, all of a, all of a sudden it's really embarrassing. But I'm going to say that there's some now some wind behind the program now. There's some wind behind what they got going on. And I think that they silenced a lot of critics last week with mm-hmm. that dominant performance that, you know, it was – Close in the first half, but they really – it was more self-inflicted wounds that kind of kept it close. And then once they shored that up, it was not a contest, right, on the road in a hostile environment. Yeah, I mean, I, North Texas' offensive line didn't allow a sack last week, only yeah. allowed two quarterback pressures. This SMU defensive line is good. Yes. Elijah Chapman, Devere Levelston, like those guys can go. Mm-hmm. And so can they replicate that performance? Because like we've talked about, Austin Ani, if given time, is going to find good. some dudes. Um, how good is that North Texas offensive line? We're going to find out more on Saturday because they were super impressive against a UTEP defensive line that we all considered to be pretty good. Yep. All righty. So those are the three games that we, I guess four plus the TCU game, uh, the games that we picked as the big games. Now let's get to games that are also happening. All right, moving on to, we're going to call this the lightning round. I don't know how fast we'll actually go, but especially this week, we can go pretty fast because I ain't really looking forward to these. Uh, number six, Texas A&M versus Sam Houston State. This one's actually kind of a little bit sneakily saucy. I'm not saying Sam Houston State has a chance, but a little bit fun, a little interest here. Saturday at 11 a.m. I don't know. That's pretty good. I like that opponent for A&M, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not a pushover, right? As Sam Houston State's going to come out, try to do something. Probably not, but it's not a team that AM should beat 70 to nothing either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's about as good of an FCS program as you could put on the schedule. Yep. And for Sam Houston this year, this is their Super Bowl. They have yeah. two games that matter on their schedule this year. That's AM this week and then SFA because yep. it's the last you know battle of the Piney Woods, right? right? They can't win a conference championship. They can't go to the playoffs. When I asked Casey Keeler, like, how do you this, – this roster, the guys on your team, they're used to playing for something. What are mm-hmm. the carrots this year? The first thing he said was that A&M game, right? Mm. So this is going to be a big game for that Sam Houston roster. I think the defense is going to play pretty well. I was about to say, you know, based like, on what we saw in that, based on what we saw from A&M in that spring right. game, that's going to leave this, some opportunities. This could be close for a little while, just because A&M's not scoring. Yeah. Now, I don't think Sam Houston can move the ball against. I was about A&M. to say that's where, <laughs> that's where the issue comes in. <laughs> right. like, I'm really excited to see like what what Walter Nolan looks like against right. an FCS offensive line. Like it could get a little scary hours uh, for Sam Houston's offense. But yeah. if this is like 13 to three at half, I'm not overly surprised right and so i think there's some interesting storylines here how does haynes king look is evan stewart a star at wide receiver like we think what does that young five-star defensive line look like in their first game like there's plenty plenty of reasons to watch this game mm-hmm. all righty mallory you got anything to add to that one no nope okay i don't either utep at number nine oklahoma Pain. saturday at 2 30 p.m craven how fast are you turning this game off I don't know if I'm ever turning it on. Uh, I will just because I don't know what Brent Venables, Oklahoma is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess for that reason, I mean, well, as a Texas, Mallory pro- and I as a will Texas be... publication, we kind of got to know what Oklahoma's up to. Right. Like, are they a big That's right. threat? You right. know, like, are they a good, are they an actual, like, They're, still Oklahoma? Right? I guess my answer, I guess I would say back to that, nothing that happens on Saturday will determine any of that. Oh, like, yeah. I have fallen, I have, fair. like, you know, I've taken fair. myself fair. off the UTEP bus yeah. as about as quickly as I jumped on it, you know? Um, they weren't good last week, no. right? No. And the things that they it wasn't weren't fun to watch. And like the just, things they weren't good at last week are things that Oklahoma is going to make them look even worse at, right? right. Like if you can't get pressure against North Texas, you're not getting pressure against Oklahoma. Sure. If you can't stop the run against North Texas, you're not stopping the run against Oklahoma. If you can't get over the top of the North Texas defense consistently, you're not getting over the top of Oklahoma, right? Yep. So this one feels about 
as ugly as Brent Venerables wants it to be. Mm-hmm. And for Dana Dimmel, you just got to hope to like build a little bit of confidence somehow and then just stay healthy sure. and just get back to El Paso for the New Mexico State game. Like This is a classic week one season opener game. The problem for UTEP is they already played a game. You know, so like this is just... An exercise in pain, yes. honestly, for you. This is just national attention for them. Honestly. Yeah, this is a paycheck. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. what I mean, it is. This is just this is just paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, I read something too about you know they've got a new defensive coordinator over at Oklahoma too. They're putting more stress on their secondary, and if we know anything about UTEP, they're kind of a boomer bust offense. So if they're not if they're not capitalizing on those big explosive plays, are you really getting anywhere? You know. Yeah. And, and North Texas uh, got pressure on Gavin Hardison, and I. I don't know everything about Oklahoma's front seven, but I know how Brent Venerables coaches football, mm-hmm. and they lead the world in tackles for loss and sacks when yes. he's at Clemson. So my my idea or thought <laughs> is that Oklahoma's going to make life really, really long on that UTEP offensive line. Yep. Yeah. Another game that I might not turn on, uh, Rice at number 14 <laughs> USC Saturday at 5 p.m., Oh boy, um, Craven. Yeah. What was your favorite little tidbit about the? Yeah. Shout, first off, shout so, out to Stats of War. On yeah, Twitter. we're we're big Parker fans yeah. here. Yeah, here he puts at, out his uh, statistical previews every week for yeah. every single game. I think every single game between FBS programs. Right. Um, and there was a funny little tidbit that <laughs> Craven noticed during the in the Rice USC yeah. graphic. Yeah. Parker's graphic for Rice gives Rice projected like 1.8 points or something like two points basically like he's projecting a safety safety. like it's like (laughs) uh we don't think the rice offense is going to score anything but maybe usc will like fumble the ball in the end zone or something (laughs) like that you know yeah it's not even gonna be up to to rice it's gonna be up to usc you know like maybe they drop (laughs) something or you know i don't know uh who knows right gabe taylor gets a fumble and returns it back for a touchdown (laughs) or something like like because we all go into the season going like i think the rice defense is going to be okay right that offense is going to be pretty bad again (laughs) and then the the first projected points of the year comes out and it's like two and you're like ah okay that makes me i guess feel did, better just, and worse this at the one same count. time yeah this one count. Uh, my preview for this game will be wait till they play mcneese next week yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally that's, yeah, uh, that, yeah that's our preview God, i mean enjoy la yeah <laughs> you know, you know what? national attention too that's there you go bad. you know what i mean like yeah. that houston la is a direct flight there's yep. gonna be some sunshine out there it's gonna rain all week in houston right, right? so like right. get out there um, LA's fun God, you know there, this, there's this some reasons to go to la stinks man this, USC, yeah. McNeese, Louisiana, Houston. It stinks for Rice. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, it's not not a great it's it's not a great schedule. If you're trying to get to six wins, yeah. and that's get to a bowl great. game and save your job, right? That's not the out of conference schedule you would like uh, to see. Nope. But you have to play Houston every year. Sure. You got to play a money game every year. Sure. And like, I mean, McNeese is a win. It's the Louisiana one that's tough, right? Yeah. It's like, man, give me a G five. Right. It's beat, like Monroe. Yeah. Like, come right. on, at least yeah. Monroe. Yeah. Right. You know, at least the other yeah. one, not the good one, but right. whatever. <laughs> anyway, moving on. This one, not interested for anything productive, but just to see what happens. Uh, number ten Baylor versus Albany Saturday at six p.m. What's Baylor look like? You know, this is a flex game, right? You just kind of flex your muscles, dominate. But I want to see it, right? I want to see that defense still come out humming. I want to see Blake Shaven maybe get a little vertical with the passing game. I want to see if that running game is still very, very, very dominant. Can they do it? Probably. But I want to see it, right? This is just a game where you're like, you watch the first quarter, be like, cool, done, right? Watch the first quarter. If they're dominant, awesome. Get out, yep. basically. I'm going to say something that sounds crazy. Uh-oh. Here we go. 
I know that Abram Smith ran for a school record amount of yards last year. I think it was 1,601 or 1,602 years. I think the running game at Baylor is as good, if not better, this year. Interesting. It's more talented. Okay. The running back room is more talented. Hmm. Like, Abram Smith was a linebacker until spring of 2020. You know, like, he's that not – it's not like Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes got to campus and, like, he was, like, a star running back that was sure to, like, rush for 1,600 yards. They moved him over there. Like, the previous staff – didn't think he was good enough running back. Put him in linebacker, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, the guys that they have now on camp, like those are those are dudes that were recruited to play running back. Tay McWilliams, those kind of guys are like, they're good, you know. And so I think with that offensive line, people have heard me talk about this a lot. Your running game is a function of your offensive line. They're only going to be better in year two of yeah. that system playing together because offensive line is like the most cohesive unit, you know, on the field, right? Mm-hmm. And the more they play together, the better they return. Four out of five starters. I think that running game is going to be really good. My interest in this game rests completely on the skill position players of Baylor. Yes. I want to see what their wide receivers look like, and I want to see if that running back room is as talented as I think it can be. Maybe they don't have a lead guy that goes for 1,600, but I I think they're going to rush for as many yards average, as many yards rushing as they did last year. Mm, That's fair. Another game that, you know, not really uh, something to say productive, but just something I'm really interested in watching. Texas Tech, Joey McGuire's debut versus Murray State, Saturday at 7 p.m. Again, similar to Baylor, but kind of on an, obviously on another scale, a game that shouldn't worry them, right? But we've all seen Texas Tech struggle against FCS programs in the past. So, uh, I, But also, what's this offense look like? What's this defense look like? Are we going to see Zach Kittley throwing the ball 50 times? I don't think we'll expect that, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it, right? What does Joey McGuire's Texas Tech look like on the field? Mallory. I was just going to say, I think on paper this does not look like a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. But I think people are so excited over the ho- over the hype with Joey McGuire and sure. stuff. I think that it's going to be a really popular game to watch. Is it on TV? Is I, it on? I, I would. Think it I think it's on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I will you double definitely check that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Can watch it. But well, Murray State's better than a lot of people think. Mm. Like I mean, I don't think they're going to beat Texas Tech or anything like that, but like Murray State's right. a, a good football it is on team. ESPN Plus. Um okay. so I I think this is a good early test for Texas Tech because mm-hmm. things get much much harder quickly. Yes. For the Red Raiders. Right. They're going to host Houston the next week, then they go to North Carolina State. They start Big 12 play I think against Texas at home, right? Mm-hmm. So like they have a pretty loaded front half of the schedule. We're going to find I mean, I, I Ish mentioned it. I am super fascinated to see how many times they throw the ball. Like, yeah. Are we back to Red Raider football? Right. Like, how how close to even? Because yeah. we've talked about this all offseason. Like, Zach Kitley is known to throw the ball around the yard. Yep. But Texas Tech's best two offensive player, arguably, uh, best two offensive players, arguably, are running backs. And Joey McGuire said he wants to and run the Joey ball. Joey McGuire mm-hmm. wants to run. I mean, we all watched him at Cedar Hill. We all watched what Baylor, you know, made their identity offensively, right? Where is the middle point? Yep. Is the middle point 40 passes? Right. You know, like, is that Zach Kittley going, well, I barely passed the ball. Like a pitch count. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I only threw it 40 times. Like, what right. do you want me to do, Joey? Like, right. come on. Or is it closer to 30? Or does Joey go, man, just do you, man. That's why I hired you. Right. You want to throw it 55 times? Go throw it 55 times. Like, do whatever you think is going to do best for us. Um, that's what I'm most fascinated about is, like, they should win this game by double digits, 20 points, something like that. What does the new Texas Tech offensive look like? Yeah, that's my thing. Like, you don't hire Zach Kidley to run a balanced offense, Mm-mm. right? He hasn't done it. He came from Cliff Kingsbury's Tech 
to HBU to Western Kentucky and he just threw the damn ball, right? Like, yeah. so I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't know. Obviously, he's a smart guy. He knows offense. He can develop a balanced attack if he's required to or if Majority McGuire wants him to. But I don't make that higher, yeah. right? I really think, That's and how point. quickly that came together. Obviously, Sonny Cumbie came. If Sonny Cumbie was the offensive coordinator, okay, then I would expect more of a balanced attack. He's obviously coached under Gary Patterson, all the uh, played under Mike Leach. So he has the knowledge of like a lot of aspects of the game. But as soon as he let one, we knew that it was Cumbie and Kitley kind of in the beginning. We kind of assumed that he would keep Cumbie for continuity purposes and keeping kind of a tie to Texas Tech. But once Cumbie left, it was very quickly Zach Kitley. So it was almost like Joey McGuire was like, okay, here's the guy I kind of really wanted. You know, like yeah. they kind of had that feel. And I think that Joey McGuire secretly just knows <laughs> that he wants to run this offense here. Yeah. So I don't know. He's a live wire guy. I would not be shocked if they're just throwing 60 times in this yeah. game. Over under 40 passes on Saturday. I'm going over. I'm yeah, going over. I think I am too. I mean, like, again, the, my thing is, I, the, wor I quote unquote worry if Tyler Shuck is that type of quarterback. Yeah. Right? Like, Tyler Shuck came from Oregon where they, you know, probably execute you if you throw the ball more than 30 times, right? They don't <laughs> execute anybody in Oregon, I don't think. That's fair. Um, <laughs> not by the state, at least. Uh, you know, <laughs> Mario Cristobal will just take you out back and just, like, <laughs> take care of himself. Um, but, no, like, we're watching Justin Herbert in the NFL throw the ball all over the place, mm -hmm. and he was stuck running the ball for four yards at Oregon. Right. You know, like, I don't know if Tyler Shuck can, you know, sling it. He probably can. He's there for a reason. He was a projected first-round pick at one point in his career for a reason, for tools and all that. So – I want to see if they want him throwing the ball that much and what – I don't know, just what they overall look like. And then, of course, the defense. Like, you know, if Albany all of a sudden has 20 in the third quarter, you're like, that's uh. – Murray State. Or yeah. Murray State. Sorry, yes, Albany was Baylor. Murray State has 20 points in the third quarter. You're like, ew, yeah. Tech, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like, I want to see Tech's defense right. dominate a team in a way we have not seen – in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm going to take the under on the throwing attempts. Okay. And I think that may change by October. You know, like you get in a Big 12 play and maybe the reins come off and they just start throwing the ball around the yard. Fair. I think Saturday they're going to make a real effort to put on film a balanced attack. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. they're going to have a lead to where they can rely on that running game. Now the next week against Houston, if they're down 17-7, to sure. I think Joey looks at Zach and goes, score points. Just point. throw Go. the ball. <laughs> and then maybe on film, Joey sits back and goes, that's kind of what we got to do. Sure. You know, and so maybe it changes. But I think Saturday against Murray State, we see a – much more bridled offensive play calling by Zach Kelly than we were used to the last two stops. Yeah. All right. Lastly, we got the most anticipated Louisiana Monroe get involved game. And I can remember <laughs> Texas versus ULM and DKR Saturday at 7 PM. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be underwhelming just because, I don't know, they're going to look great. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They're going to – for all the controversy about the depth chart, about the quarterback, about whatever, wide receivers missing, all this stuff, they're going to look great. Be like, fine. It's going to be probably on par with how against Louisiana – they looked against Louisiana last year because Monroe's worse. Um, Quinn Ewers is going to put up probably 300 yards. Bajon Robinson's – I'd probably go about 90-ish, 100-ish just because they're probably going to pull him pretty early. He's like, cool, we're winning. Um yeah, I don't know. Parker gives the, uh, Monroe a .07% chance of winning this game, uh, which I think is generous. Uh, so, yeah, Craven. <laughs> I'm most excited to watch Texas's fans 
like expectations grow through the oh, roof. 100%. You know, like it's a roller coaster with Texas. Like they're either the greatest team in the world or the yes. worst team in the world, according to their fans. Yes. After Saturday, they will be the greatest team in the world. Quinn Ewers will be a future first overall pick in the NFL. Bijan Robinson will be a Heisman Trophy front runner. Xavier How Worthy. Long before is, they talk themselves into next week. Oh yeah, I think like yeah. mid mid second quarter. Okay. When they're up like twenty eight to zero. Quinn Ewers oh, has like one hundred and eighty passes, but John Robinson's just like chilling. And I think they go, Oh, we can beat this team at home in this yeah. stadium. We oh, got them. Mal- Mallory hinted at it. Do we get a we want Bama chant? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Hundred percent. You're gonna see it all over Twitter. hundred percent. I'm from Austin. Sure. I know I how we too. roll. Yeah. Like there will hundred percent be a drunken we want Bama. A lot of freshmen chant. at the first game. Oh man. Yeah. How how yeah. many Instagram captions do you see after the win this week that says we want Bama? Yeah. Oh man. How many do you, how many yeah. do you see? It's I mean, all gonna be it's not what's the what's it's not the people <laughs> chanting that have to play again. You know, right. they, don't, exactly. they don't have to line up against Will Anderson. You know, right. it's gonna be like Devon Campbell like being like, No, stop chanting. We don't want Bama. We don't really want them yet you know like sark's like no not until 2025 yeah texas is uh minus 37 and a half in this one so at least that's on uspn yeah biggest spread of the week for texas for a texas school because the fcs games don't have spreads so like uh fbs versus fbs texas is uh on top they're favored by more than oklahoma is over utep yeah Trust me, ULM's not good. You know, they're, they are, they suck, man. They stink. They stink. Um, yeah, Terry Bowden, God bless your soul. But, uh, you know, I don't know what that program is. So right if now. you're Sark, how yeah. many carries would you give Bajan? Because that's, like, I know I this mean, is going to sound give, dumb. but would you I wouldn't, however, I wouldn't however give many, him five. I was about to say, <laughs> fair. Uh, however many he has when, you, when you're up 14. Oh. Just like if he has – Three and you're up fourteen. Cool, that's it. You're done. I I treat this like an NFL preseason game where I give them a series. Yeah, you know, like hey, well, we're gonna let you run the ball the first three times. You know, we go three and out, you're done. If we keep going, you can have a couple more carries. But I'm not. I'm not risking any of. No, no, no. On a serious note, though, I will say this: we've had questions about Texas defense, right? We've had questions about their inability to get transfers. We've had questions about the youth of the talent they have acquired. There are a lot of unknown names outside of maybe a DeMarvian Overshone. I'm not saying ULM's good. They started off last year decently. But if they mess around and all of a sudden, you know, drive in the field, you're like, wait, what's going on here? You know, like, I'm not, again, they're not going to win this game. But this is a trap in terms of a team just kind of second year in Terry Bowden, whatever, first game of the year. If their scripted series go kind of decently, you're like, all right, what's – I'm going to have some interesting questions to raise yeah. about the Texas defense. If Texas lines up in like that too deep high shell that they ran yeah. all last year, I'm just going to turn off the TV. Right. It's like, yeah, no, there's not. No, trust me. Um, Get eight guys in the box. Please. Go play some physical <laughs> man-on-man football on the outside and be right. the University of Texas. Yep. By the way, uh, shout out uh, Chandler Rogers, who's the quarterback for um, – uh, ULM, I believe he is. Yes, he is Mansfield Lake Ridge product. So, oh, okay. Nice. There you go. So, if Chandler Rod, no offense, but if Chandler Rogers is driving the ball in the Texas defense, we got some problems. So, <laughs> Gary Patterson just comes down from the booth in the right. second half with he his just purple par- shirt on, <laughs> just <laughs> calling <laughs> defense. He just parachutes yeah. down yeah. from, yeah. he just jumps out the <laughs> press box and yeah. just parachutes. Because that's the thing. Like, for those who don't know, Gary Patterson, like, if you had the purple shirt on, he was usually calling plays. Yes. And, like, he would have, like, sometimes he'd have a black a one on the first whole, half. He'd still have and a, he, a white horn on right. it, but it'd be purple. Yeah. Right. And he, like, he would come in the second half and be like, oh, Gary's wearing his purple shirt. He's taking it. He's, he's over it. He's <laughs> taking over play calling duties. Pete Kwiatkowski's like, on the bench. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Down, exactly. So, Charlie anyway, Brown. Yeah. So anyway, 
week one. There you go. We got our first preview, we, uh, official preview podcast of the year. We will have a full Sunday recap where we review every game. Yes, including you, Baylor versus Albany. We will be doing all of that. So uh, be sure to watch out for that. Remember, if you're watching us now, you obviously know we're streaming live. Thank you for very much for watching. Subscribe to our YouTube page, Twitch, all that stuff on Twitter. Keep watching us. Be sure to listen to us on uh, and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, give us likes, give us favorites, give us retweets, whatever. Uh, review helps in the algorithm. Uh, we got some really good numbers feedback this past week. So thank you guys so much for a very, very successful off season, which is the hardest time to make content. So thank you very much, guys. Keep doing it. Keep telling your friends if you do enjoy this. If you don't enjoy this, keep your mouth shut. Um, anyway, that'll do it for Mike and Mallory. Once again, we have interviewed 12 of the soon-to-be 13 head coaches, uh, Division One head coaches in Texas. Shout out, or I should say, ah, I messed it up. FBS, not Division One. I count FCS. Sorry, I messed that up. Soon-to-be 12 of the 13 FBS head coaches in the state. Shout out Sam Houston and Casey Keeler. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. Go Rutgers.